By the second year of his presidency, Abraham Lincoln should have been a demoralized man. Lincoln's military command had stumbled badly through the opening stages of the Civil War. By 1862, the embattled president faced defiance from his generals, failure from his armies, and humiliation across the globe. By spring, France and Britain were on the verge of recognizing the Confederacy. And by summer, Robert E. Lee was chasing Union forces across the Potomac. The president's army would be forced to make a hasty retreat to prepare for the defense of the nation's capital. By the end of that terrible year, Abraham Lincoln delivered a message to Congress that was as defiant as it was determined. On December 1st, 1862, that great man told Congress that history left them no choice but to preserve the American Union as the last best hope on earth. The dogmas of the quiet past are inadequate to the stormy present, Abraham Lincoln said. The occasion is piled high with difficulty, and we must rise with the occasion. As our case is new, so must we think anew and act anew. We must disenthrall ourselves, and then we shall save our country. As it was in Lincoln's time, so it is in ours. American leaders do not face a nation divided by war or shamed by the institution of slavery. But as with every generation since 1776, we have no choice but to face a difficult occasion that's piled high before us and rise to that challenge. Our leaders cannot escape history any more than they can ensure our future unless they begin again to think anew. It is especially critical at this chapter in our nation's history for conservatives to set aside the dogmas of the quiet past and instead explain their vision to a new generation. This book will lay out that vision. Our challenges are great, but they can be met by men and women of good faith who are guided by restraint and prudence instead of rabid, unyielding ideologies. It is time again for conservatives to lead America into the future. But before we figure out how to do that, let's first talk about how conservatism has been defined throughout our history. As we begin, let me ask you to set aside everything Americans think they know about what it means to be conservative. Forget that conservatives are now associated with military expansion, Wall Street recklessness, and ideological conformity. Instead, try to imagine that conservatism is not a political movement at all but rather a guiding set of principles grounded in reality and restraint and flexible enough to sustain America through the next century. Moving forward, we must embrace our first principles so we can revive what Russell Kirk once called the forgotten genius of conservatism. British statesman Edmund Burke, the movement's founder, gained international attention 200 years ago with a stinging critique of the French Revolution. Burke and his followers championed customs and conventions that promoted social stability across the ages while declaring intellectual war against dogmas of all designs. It was, after all, rabid ideologues who very nearly torched Notre Dame and destroyed French civilization. Mr. Kirk summed up Burke's distrust of dogma in his classic, The Conservative Mind. A terrestrial paradise cannot be contrived by metaphysical enthusiasts, yet an earthly hell can be arranged readily enough by ideologues of one stamp or another. William Buckley's biographer, Sam Tannenhaus, believes that Burke would be shocked by modern conservatism. 
After all, the movement's founder had a belief system that was not based on ideological guidelines, but rather on his contempt for all ideologies. Conservatives, for the better part of the last 200 years, followed Burke's lead in shunning rigid dogma and instead attached themselves to reality, restraint, custom, and convention. But that approach is a far cry from where Republicans have ventured over the last generation.